go. Christopher Walken finds out some strange things about Martin Sheen in David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone. This week on Cinema de Fromage. If the future were in your hands. Doris is screaming. The house is burning. Would you change it? It's not too late. Touch this man's hand and you are in the grip of the dead zone. I've had another episode. Only the imagination of author Stephen King could take you there. Jesus. With a power that alters the future lives of those you love. You want to kill your own son? I want you out of here. I'm scared, Dad. Or of those you fear. I have had a vision that I am going to be president of the United States someday. And nobody. I mean, nobody. Gonna stop me. Is it a power for good or for evil? God has seen fit to bless you with this gift. You should use it. Bless me? You're a devil. Who are you? Who sent you? I'm scared, sir. What's happening to me? We're gonna get married, Johnny. Don't leave me, please. Didn't you see how clear it all is? Not only can you see the future, I can change it. I was there, I saw it. Your hand on the scanning screen, and you'll go down in history with me. I saw his face. I stood there. I did nothing. She's <laughs> Spooky dookie. Yes, it's Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Uh, welcome to Cinema de Fromage. Uh, we're one player short this week, but uh, we're here talking about uh, the David Cronenberg adaption of Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Uh, with me, of course, is my good friends, Jen. Hello, Jen. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I can oh my gosh, I can hear you. I'm so excited. Yay. Technology. Awesome. And uh, Kente down below. Hey, everybody. But always above in my heart. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so who's going to do the description of the film that we uh, just saw? I'll do it. Awesome. When Johnny Smith, played by Christopher Walken, awakens from a coma caused by a car accident, he finds that years have passed. And he is now, sorry about that, my dang phone. And, and he now has psychic abilities. Heartbroken that his girlfriend, played by Brooke Adams, has moved on with her life. Johnny also must contend with the unsettling powers, which allows him to see a person's future with a mere touch. After shaking the hands of an aspiring politician, Greg Stilson, played by Martin Sheen, Johnny sees the danger presented by the candidate's rise and resolves to kill him. Released in, on October 21st, 1983, is directed by David Cronenberg, and it, comes, it is uh, adapted from a book by Stephen King that came out in 1979. There you go. And that's a weird description because it kind of catches the tail end of the movie. And there's a lot more stuff that goes on. It's not all about him trying to stop this guy, which is, you know, I, I actually works for this film. Um, I'm going to say this right up the front because we sort of have discussed this behind. Um, I like this film. I think it's a good film. I enjoyed this film. I want to talk about this film. But I don't think this film fits in the group of movies that we uh, normally watch. I think it's too good 
to be cheese. And I don't think there's there's some little bit of cheesy qualities in it, but not much. And I don't know if it, it should count in our votes for um, this season. I'm going to say that right up front. Now, we can discuss that later or we can discuss it now. But um, No, I think we should start off. Um, look, I've seen the movie a long time ago, mm -hmm. and I remembered it being very cheesy. And I think a lot of the cheese comes from when it came out and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some elements that, as we go along, I will point out the cheese in this film. Okay, but it is a good. I think it's a good. It's not a, a Academy Award type movie. No, no, it's not a. I wouldn't say it's a, a below be above that. I just think from a Stephen, it's not a Stephen King adaptation in the in the realm of Shawshank Redemption, or but nor is it in maximum overdrive territory. No, no, it's it's not, you know, it's being penalized for being a good movie for what it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, but, you know, I mean, it's debatable as we go along. We'll table that and, you know what, at the end, we'll kind of bring that back up. But, okay. uh, all right. I, you know, because we both said our bit, I, I want to hear what Jenna say first, and then we'll go into, get into the movie proper. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sort of where <clears throat> this is one of the stations that sort of work mm -hmm. still didn't do a great job but it did work it worked mm -hmm. as a movie and it worked overall just as a good entertainment yes I, I mean there are definitely some issues with the movie but they are issues with the movie not i didn't find this movie to be very cheesy at all mm -hmm. and that to me if I didn't find it cheesy and Christopher Walken is in it, then yes. it seems like we may have a little bit of a problem. Right. Because if, if anybody would make a movie cheesy, I think it's going to be Christopher Walken. Yes. So. And maybe it's just too close to his Deer Hunter days, but, you know, he was still pretty much a credible actor. Yes, his, his delivery is still that weird Christopher Walken delivery, but I thought it worked in this case. Uh, well, it, it was let's... not bad. No, it wasn't. I mean, look, when I saw Anthony Zerbe's name in there, I thought, okay, maybe we got some cheese going. Because as you remember, he's from season two there. Um, he was the villain in Omega Man. And he plays this right. rich guy. And I thought, okay, maybe that's a chance. But actually, he was good in this, too. He was, And his character was kind of interesting. And uh, the, the twists of the story were interesting, too. So I'm kind of going, all right, no, maybe not him. Okay, look, his girlfriend's from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, yeah, okay, well, okay, she's now dated Christopher Walken, Harrison Ford, and um, oh, who else? What else am I thinking of? Uh, Scrooge with Bill Murray. So she's been the love interest for those three. And I don't know, he comes off as not as, you know, as bad as the other. You know, two. Stephen King actually wanted Bill Murray to be cast as Johnny Smith in this. Really? Yeah, that was who he Now was. that would have really? then it would have been cheesy. Because he'd been too sarcastic. Wow. He would yeah. have like puckered up and so let's kind of go through the movie and then okay. I'll make the case at the end. Okay, fair enough. All right. So uh this is also was adapted in a wonderful TV show called uh, The Dead Zone as well. Um in the early two thousands starring Anthony Michael Hall as the, the title character. And uh, very good shows, very landmark too, for its time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was actually it played for six seasons and was canceled. Um, it was canceled 
when it was the number one show on USA, they still canceled it, which was because they couldn't know, afford to keep going with it. I I guess USA has done that a couple of times. They did that with the Film Nikita, which was a great show as well, mm-hmm. and the Forty Four Hundred. But um, um, so uh, so it, it, it's the material's been around for a while. Uh, Stephen King apparently wrote a screenplay for this that was so bad that David Cronenberg said, "I can't." <laughs> so, uh, but but Stephen King, to his credit. Uh, did enjoy the film and he liked mm-hmm. the, some of the choices that were made with it. So, yeah. Um, uh, so, and as I said, I'll say this real quick. This was the first book that I ever read for like fun or at all, really, as a kid. So, mm-hmm. so the material does have a special meaning, right? Uh, in that regard. But, um, so I guess let's start with the, the beginning of the film. Um, right. So, now, the relationship. Between um, the the two, Sarah and uh, just, yeah, Sarah and Johnny, um, it, you know, it was you know very uh, cute teachers. You know, uh, I forgot what what was it high school where they uh, yeah I believe it's high school. If he's teaching Edgar Allan Poe, it's probably high school, right? It, you know, so they're you know the two teachers work at the same school. They're kissing in the hallways. You know, they have this interesting relationship. They, they go on a roller coaster together. Right, and there's a talk about, let's talk about the first instance of cheese is she she actually offers him some vagina <laughs> tell him to come on delicately in. right <laughs> to come on in you know uh you know vagina served, and he's like, no, you're gonna wait until <laughs> and you think he would have he would have actually not had that accident had he taken her up on that. I know that's the funny. Everything, thing. everything hinges on the fact that he said, "Yeah, I'll wait." Right, right. So, no disrespect to someone who waits, but uh, obviously, if you wait, you're going to get into a car accident with the tanker. Luckily, you don't explode, which, which is always good. And and you know what? Even though he looked kind of rough after that accident when you first see him, eh, he doesn't look rough enough. I should have been seeing like black eyes, you know, oozing out of the the cast and everything. And uh, you know, just looking look like really rock. rough, like he should have been like she didn't want you want to touch him because he was so you know messed up. And she's like, yeah, okay, uh, okay, I'll be back in five years. Yeah, but you know, um, yeah, I think so. What is the uh, story trying to say that you know, live for today or else? I think it's doing the reverse on the the uh, horror trope that if you uh, have sex, you die. And this one, he didn't have sex, and he got in a tragic accident. Yeah, and and well, so he almost died, and then he got a a power that is slowly killing him. Right. <laughs> so then, okay. Yeah. What is that clicking sound? It's Jen. Jen, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Are you it's eating the phone? phone? Yeah, this is my connection. It's not. It's it's. I'm not doing anything. Oh, here is connection. <laughs> Like like you're eating the phone. Yeah, it's gotta be the Yeah. Oh, and what do you think of the couple, Jen? If you talk, maybe we won't hear you chewing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, now she mutes. No, go ahead and tell us. We want to know. What do you want to know? Your what? Your thoughts on the uh, the the couple in the opening? How, how do, uh, do they work? Do they not work? Or what? In the beginning. At least. So you. 
This movie is really tough for me to dissect, right? Even, even if we do like beginning, middle, and end, because I, I like Kinte actually read this book before I watched uh, the movie, and I, I this was one of the books I think that I read by Stephen King, which is kind of strange, but. But it, it, yeah, and I, I like, I have a feeling that I picked it up because one of my aunts or something had it laying around, and I was always under the impression that this was more, uh, political, like a political thriller almost or something, and mm -hmm. it wasn't until I saw the movie that I realized, oh wait, they're really talking about something far more supernatural. Like I really didn't even get that, but the, but the reason that I find that there's a disconnect, but and the early opening scenes sort of set the stage is because it doesn't really the, the way the book starts out it it for whatever feel like it lines up with the with the movie the movie has so much more of a uh i don't know how to describe it other than like maybe um a laissez-faire kind of a feel like well whatever come what may um things happened but it didn't feel like they were very organized and in the super organized I, I kinte i'm really curious to see if you thought the same thing yeah um and i from what i looked at research um is they had to annex a lot of stuff because of uh time and whatnot so that's why they he changed because the beginning of it, and then you see it if you watch the pilot of the TV show, they kind of go into some of the things that you're talking about that was taken out. And um, right. so the, the actual book starts off in, in uh, childhood for him. And so you kind of get a, um, that the second sight thing is something that was kind of there when he was a kid. Uh, he had an incident. Right, you get like a right start into it, and and in the movie, it feels like, oh, okay, well, just like a bunch of things happen, and then he goes into a coma, and then all of a sudden he wakes up and has powers, mm -hmm. and and it, I don't know. To me, it seemed very disconcerting, but in just in terms of who the couple was, I, I, okay, maybe this is not going to be popular, but I th was there any chemistry between them at all? But uh, you know, I thought okay, watching the film from outsider not having read the book um i thought there was i i thought it was there was kind of really? a yeah i did i did i mean and but it was sort of that that tragic thing of what could have been um obviously he he cared for her more than she cared for him and <laughs> maybe she realized it once he was you know incapacitated how much she you know missed him but in the end she had to go on with her life um and then there's the whole sense of the the loss that he had um, you know, those five years being gone, what could have been being gone and how resentful he comes becomes after that. And it's kind of interesting. I, I kind of saw that as sort of an allegory of that kind of thing, the resent of the what could have been and never happened, whether by choice or in this case, uh, forced on him. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, yes, I, I do agree with that. I do. But, but it still felt so... Uh, it still felt so rushed and it's not just that it wasn't properly introduced. It was, there's something about, especially that, uh, 
especially the relationship that the two of them have in the beginning that feels so artificial. And that's why I was asking if you felt like they had chemistry because maybe it's not chemistry. Maybe it's something else that I'm just sort of like glossing over because I'm not quite getting what they were trying to do. Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, the actress who plays uh, Sarah, um, I think she has a, a really good quality about her. Like her smile, for example, yeah. very charming. So even though it wasn't really written on the page, like you, you know, to really, I mean, bulk to 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 bump it up, I felt like she was so she did such a great job um that I believed it. You know, I believed it as but as much as you know yeah, and I think his reactions afterwards, not so much when they're together the first time, but it's his right. reaction afterwards when he finds out she's married, she has a kid. I mean, and they have a moment together, but even then it's right. a sad kind of thing where it's almost like an obligation that she's doing for what would have been. And it's it's sad. And that's what kind yeah, of thing. I, like I, I thought I thought I thought they were great together. Uh more so, like you said, afterwards. Mm -hmm. but, um but as far as that, you know, the typical movie setup of of that, I thought, you know, they had a couple of things that happened to show that they were this, you know, this loving couple. And then, you know, he has this accident. So I think what he what they wanted to do was get you right into the coma aspect of it so that um, they can get into the story. Because if they followed the book, the movie would be like, you know, two and a half hours. Possibly, and a lot of it would be, as much as I love the book. The, the beginning is a lot of it is dealing with the coma and the and the backstory. Like it's a lot. So, you know, I really feel like for a movie, for a film. There's also mm -hmm. there's also in the dead zone, just just from the book standpoint, there's also a lot of internal and a lot of stuff that makes it really so sort of in an mm -hmm. on screen way. So I, I can totally appreciate that they had to pare it down somehow. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back to something, though. In the opening of this movie, um, the, the interesting thing to me that that seems like it happens at the beginning and then they sort of abandon it at the re in the rest of the movie is they did some really interesting things with uh, camera angles and uh, interesting lighting. And then, mm. it, and, and at first I thought, well, you know, I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. And I thought, you know, maybe what they were trying to do is show the world was different before the coma than it was afterwards. And so maybe that was very purposeful. But then toward the end, they kind of picked it back up again. And it, it did all of the kind of crazy which I thought were really cool, mm. which I'm sure we'll talk about. But just, just sort of like... The, whether they did it accidentally or whether it was on purpose, this movie is so out of sync with itself, which in a really strange way actually makes it work. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. It'll be interesting to, because I, I wasn't paying that much close attention because it's the first time watching. So I'm kind of like trying to follow the plot and the, so I wasn't watching for that as much the first time, but it'd be interesting to see when those points were and what's happening to the character at those points to see if maybe there is a tie. Um, because Cronenberg's not a hack. Um, he'd been doing a lot of films before that. And then no. the next film after that was The Fly, which is like one of my favorite horror films uh, and tragic love stories of all time. Um, and uh, and this this is a weird Cronenberg 
Spielberg film because it is not visceral. I mean, there's one scene that's sort of, but on the whole, this is really light and tame compared to the stuff that he deals with. I mean, he's mostly about body horror and 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 that kind of thing, and he has a um, very visceral style of, of filmmaking that you know he. You know, if you don't have the stomach for it, you turn away. But it's always disturbing everything. And this is almost like it's Cronenberg light, very light, in fact. Because at the end of it, you're kind of going, it doesn't feel quite like a Cronenberg film when it's done. It's like he, because when I, I said, when I realized he directed, because, you know, they show his name twice in the thing, I'm going, this doesn't feel like a Cronenberg film. It really doesn't. Well, There's you know, he had, I forgot what the movie he did right before it. But he said it was such a uh, emotional toll on him that he wanted to do something completely different in that way afterwards, and also to show that he he's a filmmaker that he can do yeah kind of things. So, well, no, he did. Let's see, he did Scanners in eighty one, right? And uh, Dead Zone is eighty three. So what did he do in eighty two? Yeah. Scanners is one of my favorite. Oh, video drum. Video drum. Did that come out just before? Yeah, yeah video drum. He said after he did video drum, he was like just beaten down. Yeah. It took such a toll that he wanted to do something more tame in that regard. Yeah. So, so that was one of the, the reasons. But getting back to the, 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 the film, so he awakens from a coma and he's in like this special hospital where. Not only does he have, you know, it, it, he has the guy that the hospital is named after that's looking after him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the scene where he's told how long he's been in a coma. Well, it took him a long time to tell him that, too. You know, he let the father and the mother come in before he even said anything. Yeah. So it's like, well, that's not nice. Because in the, the book, I believe he touched him and got that information. Oh, okay. So I like the way they did it that. That way, because when he does do his first, get his first vision, it's it's more effective. More, more effective. So, yeah. I, I love how they they told him how long he's been in a coma, and he's like, you know, and what does his mother say? Something about uh, Sarah. That that how does he describe? How does she describe? Uh, oh, she, she says yeah. something pretty cruel, like like yeah, yeah. but she's got this weird something like i'm assuming in the book because i know stephen king's stuff that she is like an overly religious matriarch kind of thing in the book i'm assuming that's touched on a lot more yeah i think she's overt like because he has this thing with these overly religious characters and he likes to kill them right so yeah but she came across as sort of that way and i can't remember the the exact turn of phrase she used but it was one of those things that go oh that's an odd way of putting it yeah but she, she didn't keep her honor towards him or something like that. Right. So they weren't married, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. long, you know. But uh, I can understand why she would have done that. But Five years, long time. You don't know if he's coming out. What do you right. do? Do you stop your life? Right. I mean, well, she didn't wait five years. She waited like a year and a half or something like that. Oh, no, no, because her kid was 10 months old. So we got to figure maybe she maybe waited two to three years, I would say. Well, I mean, but then did she just meet the guy and make a baby with him? Or was there a run up to the, you know? You know, so he, I don't think, you know, he didn't, hey, he he was like, hey, you invite me in. I'm not going to go on the highway. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm coming in and make, we're making a baby tonight. Nice. So, but, um, so what, so that first scene where 
he grabs the uh, I believe it was the nurse, mm-hmm. and I love the shot too, uh, of um, and then finds out that the, the her daughter was um, first of all talk about uh, let's get another cheesy let's get to cheesy another okay. candidate for cheesy all right. Why was that daughter just at home in a burning house? <laughs> like, like what? The- well, obviously she was at home, and something had happened. In the house it's on fire, and she's in her room, and she doesn't know what to do. Who was there? Well, it could have been the middle of the day. Maybe no one. Maybe she left the stove on, and she went upstairs. You know, like those irresponsible kids are. Uh, six, right? That, 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 or whatever. She that was. didn't seem cheesy to me as much as it's, it's the eighties. Like- yeah, eighties. So we they left right. their kids. I I know for a fact. I lived it. Parents gone. Okay, I'm gonna go make craft dinner now. It's uh, you know I'm nine years old. Boiling that water. A lot of things could happen. As you have watch any one of the '80s horror, Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween, and you realize that teenagers were basically running the world at that point. So I think, yeah. (laughs) And those movies are cheesy, but um. Okay, so that scene though is great mm-hmm. when he grabs her arm, and yep. then and, and here's another little fact about it. And I just found this out is that every time he would have that reaction when he would go into his trance, Cronenberg was actually firing a gun with blanks off off uh, camera to get him to do that <laughs> jerk. That's why he was so violently jerked was because he would, he was being scared by a, a, a gun shot. So, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that, that's pretty ingenious. I like that. I'm gonna start shooting at my yeah, and that was filmed all up in Toronto and Niagara region during a really deep freeze. And I remember that that was '82, and that was a very cold winter. And I uh, cold enough that I remember it. And so, all that stuff that was being shot out there that looks really cold and miserable, it was. It was a deep freeze that lasted about three to four weeks, and it was just brutal. And they were shooting out in that, and that's like wow. Yeah. So when I'm looking at that, like the the roller coaster they were on, I'm going, oh, that's the mind buster. I mean, that's the thing. I, when I watch Cronenberg films, I can sit there and pick out all the, the locations because he shoots in and around here, and I'm going, oh, that's the mind buster at Canada's Wonderland, and that had only been out there for a year, right? I, I was there the opening year, and I'm going, oh, that's so cool. It's like a little piece of my history just there on film. What are you talking about, man? They shot that totally in Maine. Yeah, sure they did. <laughs> Maine don't look like that. <laughs> that's definitely Niagara on the lake. Uh-huh. You know something that I just realized also was sort of uh, interesting. I mean, you know, not of course there's sort of back and forth between um, what a book says and what an act. In, in terms of how this movie sort of framed the central idea that I think we built, well, that the book was built on. Um, how do you guys think that? did with the sort of central theme of the book which was the the in fact if i remember uh it's the the thematic piece was this wheel of fortune and whether predestination is sort of the thing or whether it is possible to change the future right and i mean obviously that bears itself out in the rest of the movie but how do you think that they did with sort of wrestling with the idea between that. He does to an extent, but the problem is, is right off the top, the first thing he does is he sees this girl in trouble, warns the mother, and the mother saves the kid. 
which in that case, then there is no doubt that he can affect. And, I, and that's where I was confused why they're like, oh, you changed the future. It's like, well, okay, maybe because he was seeing it as the here and now, maybe it was happening at that time or he thought it was happening at that time. Right. But right. but generally I'm thinking it doesn't work for me. I'm thinking, okay, he's seeing a vision, he says something, he can affect it. So therefore I didn't see the dilemma he, he's had later in the film. It's like, oh, I can change the future. Whoa, I didn't know that. It's like, Really? You kind of did that in the beginning because I didn't see that as being happening simultaneously because the mother would have to get out, drive all the way down there to save her daughter. And by that time, it would have been too late. So obviously, he saw something that was going to happen in a brief time. And she just right. happened to get there after it happened. So another thing is, another thing is you know, I, this is going to sound jacked up, but maybe that kid was going to grow up to be like some sort of monster. Maybe he should have let her burn, you know? Well, you never know. See, having not read the book and everything, I thought it was going to be this kind of a, a tit for tat thing that every time he changed something in the future, it would cause a side effect to happen. Like maybe something bad would happen to somebody else or whatever, which would make an interesting story too in itself. That didn't happen. I got used to that after a while and said, okay, then that's it. And apparently he's the only one affected every time he uses his power. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I mean, and then they, I kind of like the way that, you know, he got used, like Tom Skerritt comes in, and uh, one of my favorites from the 70s, Tom Skerritt coming in and trying to go, hey, you know, want to help out this murder case? But right. you know what? Having it up, read the book, I think I saw it right away. It's like, yeah, it's a deputy. I, I'm going, why wouldn't it be? It's, he's going to, he's using his powers. He's going to find out something, that, you know, is going to shock everybody. So it's got to be the deputy. So I either I'm really jaded or I've watched too many damn films or seen too many stories where that wasn't a surprise at all. In 83, you would never thought it was the deputy. Well, I was 13 at the time. So I probably didn't even go see, I didn't go to see the film. Now it comes like it. So I wouldn't have known. But nowadays, yeah, that would have been obvious. I thought it was yeah, obvious. But in 83, though, you wouldn't have known. You maybe maybe have known. not. It's hard to say. If you were your age now in 83, you probably wouldn't have thought it was a deputy. Yeah, but if, if I was my age now, then yes, I would have. How? You wouldn't have had everything since 83 to build it off. I couldn't tell you what it is. It's not that because other films do it, it's because it's sort of like going, I'm looking at a story and I go, okay, he's got this power. So, how is that power going to create something interesting? If it's a complete random stranger, then it's 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 kind of pointless and it doesn't have any effect. It's got to be somebody that these other people know, which would make it interesting. And so that's what I thought as soon as I saw. It. And then I watched the deputy through the whole thing, and I'm watching how kind of shifty he started looking. And I'm like, yeah, it's the deputy. Mm -hmm. So well, it didn't yeah. surprise me. Uh, okay, and maybe, but... maybe maybe it's because I've seen too many things. Maybe it's because I'm jaded in my old age. Yeah. I wouldn't have seen it at 13. No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have seen that coming. But I did this mm -hmm. time. I was kind of going, oh, well, I at was, seven, I'd be surprised. And it's like, no, I'm not going to be surprised. At seven, I would have known it was the deputy. Kind of like, I was that bright. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, okay, so I think one of the big central themes in this film is the whole would you, would you go back and kill Hitler, right? Mm -hmm. Which it used a lot. Um, like if you, if you had a time machine, would you go back and kill Hitler when he was a kid or something like that? Um, but then you would go down in infamy as a famous baby killer, <laughs> you know. That's why you got to kill Bismarck, so nobody cares, right? But then that's the whole thing doing. See, you got to do it right. You gotta go back time. I want to see a movie where a guy goes back and kills baby Hitler, mm -hmm. 
And then in the future, they show his offspring and they're like, so no longer is Adolf Hitler a bad name. It's whatever the guy's name who went back. Oh, he's that famous guy that for no reason just killed this poor Adolf Hitler baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now he's a sympathetic character. The Adolf Hitler baby is <laughs> like, like, oh, that poor kid. He never knew what he was going to grow up to be. It's a shame. Well, now you're living in a, a alternate time. The Lindbergh baby was going to grow up to be baby Hitler of the United States. <laughs> but thank right. goodness that guy went and kidnapped and killed him because no, that's a terrible thing. I, I shouldn't have said that at all. Ooh. Uh, too I soon. That by, too soon. I mean, that was what nineteen twenty something. Too soon. Yeah, it's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Even though Lindbergh himself was a racist. Yes. Or the um, Let's talk about yes the performances, and then we'll get back on the actual story. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll get to Christopher Walken in a minute, but no, there's no weak performances in this film. Everybody, even the extras, all did their jobs well. And they're from Toronto. Can you believe that? A lot of actors come from there, you know. <laughs> um, but um, so Tom Skerritt was great, yeah. and Anthony Kirby. But and then I'll get to Christopher Walken. But Martin Sheen was outstanding. Okay. Here's the hardest part of watching this film nowadays: is him going, "I'm destined to be president." Yeah, yeah you were in West Wing. You were awesome. So I'm thinking the whole thing. I'm thinking he's the guy from West Wing. Of course he's going to become president. Why should I care? Um, the goofy, you know, he's going to nuke the world in the end. Kind of cheese. Uh, that was that. That did border on cheese, but I could sort of see that as okay. So a guy who's really a zealot, and he's you know, you notice he's a third party guy, so he's not Democrat or Republican. He's a third party candidate, so you got to worry about those guys, even in the eighties. Right. Um, but, you know, it was the whole Cold War thing, too, going on at the time. So, yeah, sooner or later, somebody was going to nuke somebody. We were all sure of that. His performance, he was, that was great. great. Oh, yeah. Frightening, you know. I loved his bodyguard. Yeah. His bodyguard was great. That guy, <laughs> that guy was really good. <laughs> no, and I liked his undoing in the end where he wasn't, he had to be shot. <laughs> and Heidi and Christopher Walken thought for two seconds, you know what? I'm going to put the gun down because I think I've done my job there as soon as he's held that baby up to protect himself. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry to listen. Spoilers. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, now, Christopher Walken. I thought once he became Johnny Smith with the, the uh, psychic abilities, mm-hmm. was out of this world. I didn't realize how good he, he had been in this movie. Yeah. Um, I like I his thought, reluctance and the kid, the way he wanted to isolate himself from everybody and still wanted to, but he still wanted to be a person that helped people. So he's still trying to help the kids. Which kind of, and so that goes to, you know, why he would do in the end what he does. It's like, because deep down, this is a guy who likes to help people. He doesn't want to, you know, isolate himself from everything, even though he's got these powers and it's causing him to try to isolate himself from everything. Because that would be a horrible curse to have. Because everything uh, you touched, you see all this stuff happening and just all the time, you'd be like having to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought his performance was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know it was understated, yep, in a way that I thought was really cool. Except the and, ice, stay off the ice, stay off the ice. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah, like, this guy's a rich him. guy, and he's he's got all the equipment. He's getting a team together for where his kids play, and he's going out on a lake. A guy like that would buy time on an arena. 
so what, what's that all about? I think I thought for a while there, when he kept trying to push the kid back out there, that maybe he was trying to kill the kid and do the ice. <laughs> He's, gonna be He's like, oh, great. Is <laughs> he trying to kill his kid? I was seriously thinking that while I'm watching it. I say, wait a minute. He's really trying to push this thing. And he knows this guy's the famous psychic guy. He knew that. And yet he wants his kid to go on the ice still. Does he want to do that? But then it turns out he didn't. So I'm like going, okay, that was just weird. And how do you, because um, I remember he said, you know who I am. And he's like, yeah, I did a background yeah, check exactly. on you. So the, I I don't you for why he wouldn't want to believe him. I, I That I, I was kind of threw me off when I'm watching. Why, why does he want to believe I him? Hired you you're a psychic. I hired you because you're a great substitute teacher. No, no he was, uh, no, he's good for it with kids. Get them out of their shells or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, I haven't heard Jen respond about any of this stuff. I know, yeah, Jen is... Uh, super, uh, she, like, like Christopher Walken, has become very reclusive. Um, <clears throat> I'm watching. There's a difference. You're watching what? The movie? Yeah. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm She's a watch. Well, I'm watching mm -hmm. you guys, but I'm listening. Well, I would love you to interject, because I want to hear what you have to say as well. You, do you... Okay, Jen, do you agree see, with the, the mother the of the deputy... What? <laughs> That's the problem. Go ahead. Go ahead. The problem is I, I, the, the problem. The problem that I have is that I don't really have anything that I can say that I think is like um, expressly I, I or awesome about this movie. I I liked it as overall. Right. I, mean, I really liked it a yeah. lot. But I it, and it and mm -hmm. it had its problems and it had some good parts it was it you know this to me this was a better than average Stephen king adaptation that was a middle of the line or a middle of the road kind of movie it it you know it's not fabulous yeah. it's not terrible no but there but there's nothing to me that stands out in this movie it, oh, oh my god adequate you know, we should all pieces because i don't really uh, honestly, although the the was younger was very interesting, now that I'm old, this feels very rehashed, and and I realize that it wasn't at the time, but mm -hmm. it, I can't help but feel when I watch the movie that there isn't a whole lot of anything to be excited or emotional about one way or the other. Whether it's like some pretty terrible movies on this uh, podcast and. And there's something to like get excited about in some of them because they can just be so awful. Mm -hmm. But then there's some really cheesy movies that have these really awesome standout moments, and you're like, oh my god, we should tell everybody about this. But this movie just sort of neatly walks down the middle of the cinematic road with some really solid script writing, some really good story elements, some pretty good ideas to be set forth and it ends at the end with you know a nice little twisty little piece but it but it certainly doesn't like reach through the screen and grab you and make you go like in wow, videodrome all definitely either see this right or even scanners yeah you know I well i meant literally when you see the scene of the the hand coming through the the screen but yes 
No, that's the thing. Right. It's just, this movie is right. adequate, which is why I said it didn't feel like a Cronenberg film because Cronenberg always leaves you, no matter what, whether you liked it or hated it, you always had some emotional response to that film. There was a visceral response right. to those films. This one, no. Remember The Brood? Yes. Remember The Brood that he did? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a terrible movie, but mm-hmm. it was so, but it generated so much emotional response because yep. there was some icky stuff in that movie. Oh, yeah. And, like and said, this movie, just by comparison, just you know, it just it's good. It's yeah, good. it's it's adequate. This film is just adequate, which is not good or bad. It's just fine. How how do you look today? Fine, you look fine. This this movie was fine. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's hard for me to like. Have and it, you know, and I'm, I, I'm just trying to fill time talking about it because you know, first time seeing it, I'm going okay. But to be honest, like I said, I I don't think it fits in with our regular stuff. And we might as well discuss this now. Um, I, I don't think this fits in with our regular stuff. Uh, it's it's not a bad film. It's not a, a great film. It's just a middle-of-the-road film. But I don't think it fits in as a cheesy film. And I don't think that voting on this would help it or the other films because it's going to rate higher than, obviously, some of the films we've already seen. Um but we can say, oh, the acting acting was great. I'll give it a seven. I give this, and all of a sudden, it's bumped up to a position. It, you know, sort of does it like it'd be like me saying, hey, let's bring in Citizen Kane next week as a cheesy movie. And we go, oh, is it cheesy? Well, oh, sure, the things are a little cheesy. All right, okay. And then we go, with, oh yeah, eights or sevens or nines. And then all of a sudden, it's sort of oh, we're talking about a film that doesn't fit with the rest. And I think the spirit of this show is about. The cheesy cinema, the kind of stuff like when we're looking at '70s sci-fi films in that weird way, they thought the future was going to be all white plastic and you know weird miniskirts and all that kind of stuff, and that has its own appeal. Like, I mean, look at Logan's Run, for example, and that vision of the future. It's definitely cheesy. There's some interesting ideas in there. It's goofy. We can talk about it. This film is not one of those films. I'm sorry to say, in my opinion, I like it. I mean, I don't hate this film. I like it a lot, um, but. I don't think it fits in with the cinema de fromage. And I honestly think that maybe we should not be counting. We can vote on it, but I don't think we should count the votes towards this, towards the rest of the list. All right. So, Jan, how can we get you in social media? <laughs> We're not ending the show now, are we? Yeah, might as well. We can vote on it. We can still vote on it, but I'm saying... We've got to do scores. No. How how can we get you in social media? We're missing. We're also missing Joshua. We need Joshua. No, he he sent in the score. Yeah, but don't we need Joshua to? We need Joshua. And that was just my opinion. If, if, if Jen he... wants to vote and everything, I will vote. No, I have no problem with that. No, Jen. How can we get you in social media? Oh, geez. Because I personally think that that even though this movie it still is a cinema du fromage movie it's just that in terms of how to describe it 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 doesn't fit with the it doesn't fit with some of the either more spectacular really epic fails or some of the more spectacular uh hey you know they were reaching so far and they never really made it this movie really does make it 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 absolutely does and I'll, I will tell you one thing that I found, um, I guess, cheesy by retrospect. And that is, I have never understood, and maybe just because I 
wasn't actually a filmmaker <laughs> at all in the 80s. And so I don't quite understand what it was that they were doing. But there are these emotional outbursts in the dead zone, which are hilariously out of place. And like you laugh at them. I mean, it's, it's so hard for me to find the context that, and, and it's so, it happens in almost every 80s movie that I think I've ever seen. And that does give it a, a, a that, that feel like I know what they were going for, but wow, it, it is just such a weird feel. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. What scene are you thinking of? No, like, you what, didn't what, experience what? that at all. You don't think, you think that I'm trying to think. Walken I'm trying to think. Like, just oh no, Christopher Walken was. You know, he's got his one or two moments where his delivery is that weird cadence that he has and the breaking stuff. That just like, okay, that's an odd way to read it, and I can't believe that they let him take do that take. But okay, but yeah. Then, but, weird. Well, the ice and, bit. And, and, and even though that made the that made and even though the movie again, even though the middle of the line feel to the movie is still there that is what sort of makes this movie an outlier in the sense that you for the same reason that i think you might pick pet cemetery later on as being a cinema du fromage movie because it is so crazily put together no, it doesn't mean that it's not a good movie it is but there are still these aspects inside of the movie that make it very, very, very odd. You know what a good example of this is? A great example of this is, is Westworld from last season. Because mm -hmm. Westworld put together, which was also a Kinte choice, Westworld put together was a great, the great movie that had really just twisty, strange, bizarro of it that did make it cinema du fromage. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the medieval world stuff was, that was pure cheese. <laughs> they could have cut that out of the film and it might have been a, a better film for it but that makes it more entertaining that was sure for sure and, and i wish i thought more I roman that, world oh sorry that's why i think that dead zone still fits it still fits in the cinema okay. de fromage it's just, it just it 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 fits in our it, it i think it totally fits in our format what what is difficult about it in this format is that it was good and mm -hmm. we're so, at this point, almost unaccustomed to watching a movie all the way through that isn't either laughable or have moments of such... Oh, yeah, that's, I like that moment of dread near the middle of the film where I'm going, okay, it's probably not going to get any better than this. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, this film didn't have that. But you know what? I mean, hey... I'm open. I'm not. I was not trying to put my stamp saying this is this is what's going to happen. So I mean, if if Jen and you both agree, then I'm all for it. I will vote, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, I do. It's, it's a group show, and I ha I'm not sitting there saying ah, this is what's going to be done. I was only voicing my concern, and that's fine. And I can see both your points on it too. So I'm. I'm yeah, I, vote. I, I thought it felt. But I'm not gonna give it. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's valid. Just as valid. Go ahead. Because then, if it does, let's say it does do well with the voting, then I don't want it to be like this thing over it. No, like, no, 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 no. So don't worry about like, that. And guess what? You'll still ha you'll be the one that has to defend it. Uh, if it comes <laughs> to the top two, you'll have to defend it. That's all that matters. So don't worry about that. No, I would rather not because then it's. Absolutely 
feels like it won't be tainted. Look, I no, like no, I don't want to do it now. No, 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 no. Look, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way. I'm I'm just voicing a concern I thought because I'm worried that if this one is one, but then what happens when we get to one that's even better? And then it comes like, okay, what what are the qualities? And all I'm just you know what? It's easy to fix too. For the next season, we add one more little uh thing to vote on, and that's the actual cheese quality, how cheesy it is. And you could say this one would have a low cheese rating as as far as like you know overall, and then the rest of the ratings would balance out, and that would balance it all because you could say, okay, this one's not a um, let's say Don of Dead blue faced guys walking around and going, Ugh. and so that would get a higher rating in that section than this one would. But that's fine. That's fine. I I, I want to vote for this because I think everything we you, know, you chose it and it's good, and it, I have no problem with that. Kinte. So the, the way that I the way I often think about cinema du fromage movies is can I imagine mystery doing the uh, the monologue throughout the movie or not the monologue can I imagine doing the uh, over narration throughout the movie and in this there were plenty of spots that I felt Crow could say something snappy that Jonah could say something snappy that what I mean like it did feel there was plenty to be had and that alone that designation and you're i think personally that 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 the choice of this was actually the same way that westworld was really interesting that you chose because you unlike me right because i'm i actually am choosing movies that i think are are uh that people will actually go, oh my God, that was so bad. So mm-hmm. if there's anything good in it, hey, maybe we should watch it. But your choices are quite a bit different. And that balance in this show is necessary because mm-hmm. it can't all be one thing or another. And so when you balance it with a movie like this, it does actually make a difference. And whether this movie is really super high in score or not, doesn't really have anything to do with the overall quality and presentation of everything that we put together. It matters. It does matter. No, I mean, I thought thought so too because uh, one thing is, one thing is, uh, I do feel like, you know, we, you want people to listen and watch the show. So, you know, I mean, it's great. Like, I love, you know, the burnt offerings and the, Let's get no, you do not have burnt offerings. No, no, no I think because I think those are really indicative of yeah. of what we're trying to do. Yeah, and but then I do feel like you do have to balance it off with movies yeah. that you know. Like, I mean, I'm just basically repeating what she's saying. Is um, like I said, I hadn't s- seen it in a long time, and I just remembered it being uh, probably more cheesier than it it was. But um, it's a uh, I would say that. Um, I would say that it's a because we don't really we review at the end the movies that were like the best of the that's fine you know what look look, you guys laid out your arguments and I am not I'm not one of those people that you see on the internet most going I'm right no matter what I'm convinced I've changed my mind on this. I have been convinced. So I mean, I'm literally being sincere, saying uh, I, I'm voting for this and I want to vote for this properly. And I, I, I have no problem if it makes it to the end. There's no problem. 
it's got to defend itself with whatever we have at the end, and that's fine. And I, I, it's not painted. It's it's fine because there are a lot of cheesy bits in this thing. It's not it's not completely safe. I think the only fault to the film is it was too good for its own for for this show. And that's not saying it's bad and that it wasn't cheesy. It was. And maybe it's because we're used to a, a lower quality of film, either a lot grainier looking or a right. lot worse dialogue or a lot worse acting. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I am seriously, I'm, I'm good with voting for this. I, I made my statement. You guys countered it. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm convinced that we should, we should go ahead and vote for this and, then, you know, and keep it in. All right. Okay. All right. So, this will uh, be the drama part of Cinema de Fromage. That moment when they fought over whether the film should be in and around. Right. <laughs> Remember that moment. We'll come back to it later. Hey, Gabe, how you doing? Um, all right. So uh, before we get get out, um, I do want to talk about the resolution. Okay. Of the film. Um, I, I mean I, I always thought it's the same as it's the same in the book as well. So um it ends the same way. Mm-hmm. And I just love the idea I, I love the idea of him taking the child and using him as a bullet shield. Oh yeah, it's great. It's it's hilarious. It's like I remember thinking, well, that guy's he's not only a coward, he's really dumb because you know, if you had a high powered rifle, that'd go right through the kid and still get so and if a guy wants to kill you, he's not going to care that you're holding a kid, right? So, right, right, right. So he, he's also dumb. So they realize he's not a good decider. Yeah, he. That was a. Uh, uh, that was a funny scene, and um, and I thought it was really cool how you know how it, everything shook out in the end. What did you think, Jen? How it, the resolution? Yeah. Right, it's it's pretty similar to the way that it ends in the book, and it's um, that that's actually something that I was thinking early on that um, that was one of the most interesting parts of this. Right, the way that the movie ends, and I I I have mixed feeling about it now because I after seeing it the second time, I realized, of course, what was coming. But the, what we were talking about before about this whole idea behind. It, are things predestined or is there something sort of else out there? It's so funny that the end of the movie sort of leaves you with this idea that, um, no, everything that you thought was probably not really the, was not really what you were thinking anyway. And I, I actually kind of like that because every other Stephen King movie that there is always tries to make you think that like, well, what you actually anticipated all along was actually the real thing, no matter how crazy it was. And the Dead Zone sort of brings you back to center and says, um, yeah, okay, so here you go. Go off and live the rest of your life, knowing that this is the kind of stuff that's out there. I, I liked that. I actually really liked it. Yeah, I, I like the fact that it just ends abruptly. Um, none of this, hey, let's pad out the <laughs> end. No, I mean, look, I'm being serious now. Hold on. The, a lot of films, they got to, okay, we've got the end. Like, the story ended when it ended. There's nothing more to tell. He's dead. This guy's life is ruined. That's it. You don't need to see the yeah, the but- epilogue and all the rest of the stuff. Oh, how did the people deal with this? And what did they say? And all this. No, the story is over. Let's just end it right here. And that's it. And you know, very few films do that nowadays. Nowadays, they have to just go on and on for a while. And you're like, one, okay, yeah. Uh, look at your clock, your watch, and say, you know, it's 
time to get going. You know, I, I don't need to watch the credits. Let's go. I don't need to see all this stuff because it, it doesn't matter. It yeah, just yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, I missed that in films. It's like, you know what? It's over. The end. Boom. Okay. Let's do that. That's cool. Yeah, I do. I do like it. I, I, I actually really mm-hmm. like that. I like that a lot. I wonder how, how, uh, I would like to see that baby now. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody out there, uh, if that baby's listening or watching, uh, now you're probably what? Was 83? The child was what? Well, let's see if they've got a listing of the baby. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the IMDb and see if they've got baby listed. It's probably the only thing they could have done. That kid is probably, they probably grew up to be like super traumatized just because, you know, like, I have oh, Denny was PTSD, and I don't know why. Okay, the baby's name was Denny, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they have Denny number one and Denny number two. It's probably what, Serge LeBlanc. Oh, he's a French baby. Ah, uh, French Canadian? Uh, yeah. And apparently did a lot more films. Oh. It worked until 1996. Oh, baby. Wow. Let's see. They, in the Twilight Zone series. Uh, Love and Larceny TV. Okay. I don't know what that is. Share all. Oh, they were on Sharon Lewis and Bram's Elephant Show. You folks don't know about that, do you? Uh-uh. Uh, he's, uh, it's a uh, kid's show in the 80s. They had the song Skim of a Rinky Dinky Doo. I oh, love you. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So, Oh, you know that one? Then you know Sharon Lois and Brand. Yeah, it's another Canadian import you guys had to deal with. Um, he was in the War of the Worlds TV series. Beyond Reality. So there you go. Um, let's see the full bio. Hmm. He's an actor known for Dead Zone, War of the Worlds, and Beyond Reality. And that's all they have to say about him. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm Serge LeBlanc. I'm about to show the picture of the and uh, his brother probably, his twin brother probably played uh, the other Denny because it's a Denny one and Denny two. What is a Denny two? Oh, no, Denny one is, oh, that's the baby. Okay, sorry. So that'd be the first time you see him. That's the kid, Raffi, who also was in the sound department on a, a 2009's Life on Earth. So that person also went into. Oh, Davis was in, the, in there, uh, the cigarette smoking man. Huh. Yeah, oh yeah, because well, he's Canadian too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of Canadian actors. The the wife, or sorry, the mother, um, she played a lead role in the uh, TV series Anne of Green Gables they had up here. She was the, not the mother, but the um, the aunt that, or whoever it was that Anne was living with, the proper prim person. Herbert Long looked familiar too. What do I know him from? I don't know. He was in Spartacus? No. Yeah, he was. Oh, there you go. And in King Solomon's Mind. So awesome. Baby. You think that person is tells people? I, I was the baby in Dead Zone? <laughs> I was the one that Charlie Sheen tried to save himself with. Or do you I think if he, ever, if he bumped into Charlie Sheen, I mean, sorry, uh, Martin Sheen. something, And he goes, hey, you know who I am? You're the little brat I had to hold up and <laughs> yourself while I was holding you. You know, if you're the right around that age, you could just lie to him and say, 
Uh, you probably don't remember this, but uh, remember that movie Dead Zone you did? I was the baby. Be lying. <laughs> like, now I can lift you. <laughs> yeah, it was me. As a baby. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Like, oh, yeah, I remember working with you. Oh. How up to lunch uh, Martin Sheen is these days. Kente, you could go up to him and tell him you were the baby. <laughs> and he probably would hear you. Oh, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> I was the baby, all right? You were terrible to me. <laughs> You're very abusive, Mr. Sheen. Very I remember abusive. it. Okay? I felt like one of your sons. <laughs> I wasn't winning when I was with you. <laughs> All right. So let's let's start off with um with uh Josh's uh um scores. Give me a second. All right. I yeah. saw Josh's scores. They're good. Don't go on the ice, Josh. Don't go on the ice. All right, here we go. This is so exciting. Josh, next week is Death Race 2000. I don't think that's uh, cheesy enough, so we might have to replace it. Oh, yeah, that. right. <laughs> We're going to replace that one because it's, it's totally We're going to replace, replace it with the Zach McGowan one, guys. Oh, gee. Well, no, it has to be pre-1990. Okay, well, so story, Josh gives it an eight. Uh, let me do uh, Josh impersonation. The story was great. It was awesome. I like it. Was, okay, it's terrible, Josh. Uh, two, seven. Wow, uh, uh, acting is uh, he gave it a two, and I'm sorry, number two acting, he gave it a seven. Uh, score sound design, he gave it a six, production quality, he gave it a seven, and overall, uh, entertainment value, he gave it a seven, so he gave it a total of 35. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, I gave the story a six, the acting. I gave it eight because the acting was great. The score and sound design was a little wonky. Gave it a five. Production quality I thought was awesome. It uh, looked beautiful. I love that scene in that tunnel. Like that's such an iconic scene of this movie for me. Uh, in that tunnel when you know when he first is helping the cops, uh, I love that. Um, and there's some great shots in it um, as well. Uh, and five in it. Entertainment value. Actually, I really enjoyed rewatching it. And I gave it a nine. Uh, so, uh, wait a minute, that's not my score. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's a thirty-six. Gave it a. Uh, my addition. My adding was terrible. So I gave it a thirty-six. I give your addition a negative A. <laughs> All right, so we'll go to Jen. How can what's your score? How can we get a hold of you and what's your score? Mm. Oh, did we lose Jen? Uh oh, I think we did. Oh, no, her mute button just popped on, so I'm thinking she's still there. Are you there, Jen? Smiling face pops up. There she go. Jen is in the house. But is she going to say anything? Okay, I love these yeah, things. Am I back? I'm sorry. Yes, you are. You're back. 
quick, do your score so, before you disappear again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So story, I gave. Uh, I gave. I, I'm sorry. I I wish I could have given this higher, but I only gave the story a six. <clears throat> Although I love the book, I I do love the book. I really, really, really do. Uh, the story was just, and this, and this is actually one of the best Stephen King adaptations out there. But it was still, I don't know. There was just something weird about it, so I only gave it a six. Um, acting, I gave a solid six. I do really like all these guys. And despite the fact that Christopher Walken is in it, I never once felt like I was going to hear uh, the Raven from Edgar Allan Poe be read. So I really liked it. Um, also gave it. Six, six, six. Huh? Her devil score. Uh oh, we've lost her. Glitch. Um, the score, okay. we didn't talk a lot about the score, but um, but I did really like uh, what was going on with it. It just, I don't know, it just seemed middle of the road, so I gave it a six, which, you know, isn't, it wasn't here nor there. Um, production values, though, I gave a seven. I really like, uh, I really like him as a director, and also, the, like I said, in the beginning, wow, they did so many interesting things with lighting and screen sh or, uh, camera angles and stuff, that it made me actually sit up and take notice so that definitely jumped off the screen to me so that got a little bit of a higher score and overall okay, she's, she's her production quality seven huh you jumped the gun her, her production quality production she said is seven she hasn't got to overall yet overall oh overall, <laughs> I gave this an eight because i did i really enjoyed watching this movie it, it definitely went by really quick for me which definitely which says that i was immersed in it so Okay. So what does that give me? 33. 33. There we go. Yeah. Okay. My turn. Alrighty. Uh, story I gave a six. Um, there wasn't anything totally surprising about it. Maybe it's because I'm watching it well after the fact. Um, like I said, I saw some of the few twists that were going to happen, so that didn't surprise me. Kind of like twist at the end, but you know, it was enough to get that. Acting I gave a seven. I thought everybody was very well. You know, there was no weak links in the acting. I like Tom Scare, like uh, Zerbe and his character. I didn't understand their motivations, but I, I liked the characters. And of course, you know, who who can't want, like Christopher Walken and his weird idiosyncratic way of saying things? Uh, score, sound, and design. I gave a five. It was nothing. Um, it wasn't until Howard Shore joined up with uh, Cronenberg that his scores got really interesting. So. You know, I'm kind of looking at it that way. Production quality, the overall look of the film, it was, um, you know, well shot. It, it was what it was. There's some interesting angles and everything. I gave that a seven. And the overall entertainment value, I gave a seven. I enjoyed the film. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it wasn't terrible. It was, it was en enjoyable. All right. And Movies Make the Meal? Okay, so Movies Make the Meal this week. Uh, you know, I really struggled to come up with something here. Uh, this was not an easy movie to create any kind of uh, culinary masterpiece for. So I opted to sort of go the easy route by 
making these uh and i'm sorry i my computer just froze so i can't pull it up but they're basically uh cordials which if you drink too many will make you you've been in a coma so i have plenty of uh <laughs> little side advice about how to drink these they are really powerful and really delicious we tried them out not the night that we watched the zone but in quote unquote research preparation before and it was fun so check out com and you'll see that recipe it's filed right. under the dead zone, all right and um <laughs> it's filed under the dead zone it is dead zone pizza okay we finished uh -oh. our addition this is the exciting addition part of the show, folks, to hold on to your seats as Inte adds the numbers and finds the averages and gives you where we are at with this particular film. And don't do this at home, folks. He is an expert and has been trained to do this. In adventure time. Uh, All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get with it. Um, Uh-oh, I didn't hear you. Nope, go ahead. You're good. And you're still not hearing her. <laughs> All right, here's the leaderboard. Um, number eight, we have Casino Royale is uh, getting, you know, uh, bringing up the rear. Yeah. Seven, Rollerball. Six, The Car. Five, The Towering Inferno. Four, Body Double. Three, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Now, number two is The Dead Zone. With, it got 136, which is a 68%. Mm -hmm. And still number one is Dawn of the Dead. 1978 uh with 145 which is 71 percent so um those are the the films uh at the leaderboard and how many so, we have left now not that many um we have one two three four four movies left four movies left and will any of them um top any of the top films will they unseat them i don't know that's gonna be a tough one we have do we have any interesting contenders that you see i see death race 2000 which definitely has the cheese factor going for it and stallone uh, i love that yeah and folks Probably. we're talking about the original not the remakes um plan nine uh oh. strange brew Mm, we should have played that this week. It would have been more in keeping as it is Canada Day yesterday, and you know. Well, it's America Day uh, America. two days from now. Yeah. <laughs> America. America. I'll be working that day and not caring. The you hoser. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Jen, how can we get you in social media and all that good stuff? Uh, people can find me on social media at following bliss one on Twitter, and you can visit my websites at moviesmakethemeal.com and criticallabs.com. You can me at Kente F on Twitter and Kente Ferguson, F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N on Instagram. How can they get you, King? Oh, kingpenguin at gmail.com. If you want to suggest any kind of movies that you want us to review, and then we will probably put them on the next season. Also, you can uh, catch my uh, stuff on uh, Professor Psycho's movie Madhouse.com out there in the internet web things. So there you go. All right. And uh, we will be back uh, on our regular time on Thursdays. Um, Thursday, not this Thursday, but the, the following Thursday. Yep. Uh, 6 
uh, p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern on next Thursday. Not this coming Thursday, but the following Thursday. So that's the 11th. And we will be doing Death Race 2000. Oh, wait, I, I guess I need to tease that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tease Death Race 2000. Classic. A classic. Okay. So in the year 2000, American America is I a totalitarian totalitarian uh, regime on the brink of collapse. The most popular sport is in this dystopia is this transcontinental continental road race where teams earn points for logging the fastest time and for mowing over the most innocent pedestrians in the process. This year's competitor includes Frankenstein, played by David Garney, who is rumored to be more machine than man and the toughest nail machine gun uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, some have a plan to stop the race. Came out in April 27th, 1975. Death Race 2000. Mm-hmm. That's a Corman film, if I remember correctly, yes? Uh, directed by Paul Bartle, but I think he produced it. Yes. yes. I, I absolutely am so excited for this movie. <laughs> I will simultaneously unseat the dead. <laughs> you think so? Wait, say it again. <laughs> I said I will with my score alone. I will simultaneously, I, not simultaneously. Score alone will absolutely unseat the dead zone. Oh dear! Then my score will. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not. I get zeros across the board. The, the uh, tactical voting now. I know. Like, yeah, like oh, that's what we doing now. And zeros across the board. Honesty <laughs> is important in this game. I, yeah. And that's why I'm going to be giving Death Race 2009 across the board, and I haven't seen it yet. Minus, minus a hundred. <laughs> minus a hundred. <laughs> Acting zero out of oh, ten. God. Uh, yeah. All right, you guys. All right. All right. Thank you very much.